Come on, Journey Church. Let's celebrate that. Man, we want to so much so just beg and, and push you to join a group today. The, the transformation that happens inside of those groups is just incredible. Uh, man, how are you guys feeling on Labor Day weekend, everybody? You ready? I want to welcome uh, Church at Home and our Boynton campus right now, uh, Lake Worth campus. Can we show some love to everyone joining us at Boynton? Church at home, man, we love you guys. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. If we haven't gotten to meet yet, uh, I'm just pumped to be speaking to you guys. As, as Pastor Amanda said earlier, I love this place. I really, really do. Uh, it's changed and transformed me and, and my family and my marriage and my kids continually changing us, man. We absolutely love this place. If you love your church, lift up a shout of praise. Over at Boynton Church at Home, if you're on... Church at home, if you're on like the couch right now, just shout, like wake up everybody. It's Sunday, it's 9.30, you should be uh, awake by now, okay? I did a little bit of conviction there. Uh, maybe, maybe you're chilling for Labor Day weekend. Who's excited about a day off, amen? Woo! I'm thrilled. Parents are like, yeah, it's gonna be great, but the kids are home, you know? So like, school has felt like a vacation, amen? Anybody with kids, you're like, glory to God. It's been awesome. Uh, but ironically enough, I'm actually going to teach on Labor Day weekend and actually call us into action if you're okay with that. Are you all right with that? Do I have that? Do we have that relationship yet? I think we do, right? That on Labor Day weekend, I'm actually going to call us to action. I want to share a little bit of my heart right now. And just uh, over the past maybe few months and even over the past maybe a couple of years, I I've just seen our, our culture and world shift so much. And I've seen what, what uh, condemning and critiquing and canceling people uh, has done to our culture, to church, to the world around us. And it's actually just, it's breaking my heart a bit. I, I, we, we are so quick nowadays in our culture to critique after one mistake, one misstep. One, one mishap that someone has in their life or maybe a company or an organization or a people group, one, one mistake, one misstep. And we critique and we condemn and we just cancel. They're just done. There's just no second chance. There's just, and, and that's so just anti-gospel, by the way. I just want to call that spirit out and just tell you that that is not biblical. It is not godly. And it is actually anti-gospel. The gospel is literally like the cosmic second chance, third chance, millionth chance. Anyone need a million chances? <laughs> yeah, right here. But, but sadly, I actually think that that spirit has crept into the church a bit, the, the global sea church. We're, we're seeing people fail all over the place and immediately they're critiqued and condemned. We don't know both sides of the story and we just, man, they're canceled. But I actually think there's a better way. And, and I've been convinced, I heard a, a pastor recently talking about all of this, and I was just so moved to preach this message. And the title of my message today is this. If you're writing notes, if you're taking it down, and I'll explain a bit, but it's carry thy neighbor. Everyone say, carry thy neighbor. Go. Carry thy neighbor. You've heard love thy neighbor, right? I'm gonna up the ante a little bit and say, carry thy neighbor, because I'm convinced, church, that as we see society and this world as morality and as truth and as right or wrong are kind of on this sliding scale downwards, I actually think it's going to be on us as the church to shine brighter than ever and actually pick people up and carry them to Jesus. 
I don't think it's going to be sufficient anymore just to talk about it or, or, or to think long about it. We actually need to pick people up and carry them to Jesus. We're so busy condemning this next generation under us, right? This younger generation. At first, we were just blasting the millennials. That was kind of fun because they were goofy. Like, they're turning out okay, but then it was Gen Z after that. And Lord knows what other generation, like we're, we're naming these generations constantly. But I remember hearing pretty publicly that, that Gen Z, we were just kind of giving up on them. I, I got to admit, it, it, it's actually, I feel such like an old man recently too. And I'm not that old, but I feel like I'm saying stuff like my dad would say, like about young. I called, a, uh, I called maybe a 25-year-old guy the other day a young man. And I was like, young, this young man was speaking to me. And I felt so old. I'm, I'm 36, I'm not that old, but I'm like this young whippersnapper, you know? I, I don't know when that changed, but I found myself being so critical and grumpy and grouchy. I turn on the news or I, I, I throw on social media and I'm instantly ticked off. Anybody with me? <laughs> we have clapping and applauding. I, I get it, I get it. I know what you're saying. Here's what I'm gonna challenge us though. I heard John Maxwell say this recently, but he was quoting a kind of an ancient or older quote. Instead of cursing the darkness, how about we turn on a light? Instead of us pointing the finger, listen to church close over at Boyan and church at home. How about instead of the pointing the finger at them, we point them to Jesus? Or better yet, let me up the ante one more time. How about we walk them or carry them to Jesus? We actually teach our dream team here. This is, a, this is kind of a well-known customer service thing. If you ever go to a high-end establishment, uh, they actually teach and train their people, do not, walk, or do not point, you walk. Don't ever point somewhere, oh yeah, what, what you need over, is over there. It's actually considered rude in some cultures. But you're actually, to, to take that person, let me walk you to that location, that destination that you need. And some of you already, you probably know the passages of scripture that I'm gonna to go to today and teach out of. You've been in church for a little while. Even if you haven't, you might have heard of this story kind of circling around religious communities and church. But we're gonna to go to Mark 2. If you've got your Bible with you or you wanna pay attention to the screen, I'm gonna read a portion of scripture. But before I dive in, here, here's what I wanna remind us. That before we point the finger and before we're tempted to condemn and critique, can we remember that the world is lost? The Lord hit me with that this week in such a powerful way. I found myself getting so frustrated and the Lord kind of hit me upside the head and reminded me, Josh, do you remember how I've defined people who are far from God in my word? Before we dive into Mark 2, listen to these descriptors that Jesus would use. They are lost, they are blind, they are sick and need a physician, the great physician. They are spiritually poor, naked, harassed, and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, ultimately dead in their sin. And I think it's so important that we as a church and a community here at Journey grasp what our Savior said about the lost and understand and have a heart of compassion that we're no longer to point anymore. We're actually gonna pick people up and carry them to Jesus. Look at what he did. Remember the story of the lost sheep? Just really quickly. This isn't in my notes, but the lost sheep, it's, this is interesting. 
What did Jesus do? He leaves the 99, chases after the one. When he finds the one, do you find Jesus condemning, critiquing? Come on, you dumb sheep, you did this again? Anyway, anyway. all right. Any, anyone like a dumb sheep out there? Like you're just like, man, I should. You laugh because you can't even imagine your Savior saying that. Isn't that interesting? It's comical because we know Jesus isn't like that. You know what he does, though? He picks that bad boy up, puts him on his shoulders. There's some, there's some uh, thought, there's some, like, uh, historians would believe this to be true, and there's some uh, speculation of it. And I'll leave this to, to Jesus and to God, but some people believe the good shepherd would actually break the leg of that little sheep, just one of them, to incapacitate him, to put him on his shoulders, to realize you need me. You're dependent on me. I'm going to hold you close to my heart. You're going to hear my voice loud and clear for the next few months as you heal and carry that bad boy around. That's how good the good shepherd is. I'm not telling you to break people's legs or anything weird like that. I'm not telling you to hurt or harm people, but that is how good our Savior is, that he would love that little lamb so much. I'm not going to condemn it. I'm not going to critique. I'm not going to cancel this thing. I'm actually going to put it on my shoulders and carry it. Let's dive into our scripture. This is Mark 2 today. Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, it says this. I'm going to read it and just kind of hang with me. Let's go. A few days later, when Jesus entered to Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large, num or large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four others. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop real quick. I underlined the word men. I think this is hilarious. Ladies, I want to give you so much credit. If this was a story full of ladies, they would have had a way better idea. It would have been much safer. Uh, they would have kindly asked to just get through the crowd just thought a little longer than this. These men, I know it's men. I'm, trust me, because it's a really dumb idea about what they're about to go do, all right? I trust you, ladies. You could have carried your girlfriend there for sure. I'm, I'm not saying anything like that. But these men, what's about to happen, what they're going to propose to their paralyzed buddy is, is ridiculous, okay? I just want you to know that. I'm giving you credit and shout out, ladies. The story would have looked different. <laughs> Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, this is verse four, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Yeah, dumb, right? I just heard a wow. A woman said that, wow. Bad idea, right? Can you imagine the conversation that they had to have with their paralyzed buddy? They're like, bro, listen, we, we carried you so long. I'm so sweaty right now. Well, this was, we carried you a long way, bro. There's no room though. And he's like, oh. I'm sure so bummed, so bummed. And they're like, listen, dude, listen, but we got a great idea. Okay, we got a great idea. You know the roof? <laughs> That's where we're going. <laughs> like I, he had to be so, what a great friend too, to be like, all right guys, I'm with you. Then they're like, I'm sure he asked, how, how are you going to get me in, though? Like, down from the roof. We grab some rope. We're going to tie. <laughs> you got to laugh at the Bible every once in a while. It's a great book, right? This is hilarious. Good Lord, man. 
I actually missed this point. I, I want you to, to know this. I, I think you could sum up our call as believers into, into a, this, this phrase right here. We're to carry Jesus to people, and we're to carry people to Jesus. I miss that if you're taking notes. That, that we're actually called to carry Jesus to people, represent him to the world, absolutely. And I also believe we're, we're called to carry people to Jesus. This is exactly what these men are doing. They've experienced something. They've heard the rumors. Uh, maybe even one or two of them had experienced Jesus in person and are like, we gotta get our buddy here. It's not the best plan, but I'm telling you, it worked. And they carry him. They, they get him up on the roof and lower him down. Let's pick up in verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, I'm gonna go back to that. He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? This had to be a weird moment because they were thinking this stuff and Jesus knew it because he's God and man. And he calls out what they're thinking. It's when the music stops a little bit and they're like, what? Jesus calls out what they're thinking. He says, why are you thinking these things? Already proving that he's God. Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. Here's what I want you to notice right there, church. Both things were a miracle. Jesus said, I'm gonna perform two impossible things. What's easier to say? I always thought that was interesting. I'm like, Jesus, what were you even talking about right there? Why, why, what was easier to say? Well, of course, they were both impossible. But how many of you know nothing is impossible for God? So he says, <laughs> I love this. He says to the paralyzed men, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. I love that scripture says that. This was like a, I'm, this guy strutted out of there. This was in full view. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I believe this story is a study on carrying that we've actually been called to carry people to Jesus. I had a pastor recently say this, and maybe, maybe this uh, could convict someone in the room, that, that you cannot carry people to a place you're not willing to go. You're, you can't carry people to a place you're not willing to go yourself. I think this is interesting, okay? Because I've seen a little bit of this in the church, or maybe it's crept into some of our marriages or our families. We're like, man, I want my spouse to be, to be here in this place, but we're not going, we're not going to those places. We want our students, we were like, man, my teenager, I just wish they would love God and pursue him and read their Bible and get these things into them and, and, and create these great habits, and, but we're not willing to go to those places, so why would we expect our teenager to? We, we can't carry people to a place that we're not willing to go ourselves. The men picked up that mat and they were willing to go where they needed to go with that man. They didn't just say, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus, he's over there. They didn't point, they walked, they carried. That's just a sub point, but I just was so convicted by that because, man, I, as a pastor, I just want people to go the distance. I want them to go deeper with the Lord, and I want them to fast and pray, but why would I expect that if I can't do it, if I'm not going to those places? Here's the first thing that we can learn from the story if you're taking notes is this. They were met with disappointment at the door, but I want to challenge us. So, so it says in the story, they were, it was just crowded. 
just too crowded, too jam-packed. They could not get the guy in the door, and they're met with, with resistance, with disappointment. But here's what I want to challenge you, church. If we're going to carry people and carry them well, we cannot let disappointment deter us. You can write that down. Do not let disappointment deter you. If we're going to carry people to Jesus, we need to push through the disappointment. Isn't it interesting? I found this to be kind of funny. We're shocked when sinners act like sinners. <laughs> like we're, we're shocked. We're like, oh my goodness. And we, and we go to critiquing and condemning. We're shocked when sinners act like sinners. And here's what I want to tell you. Just be ready for a little bit of disappointment along the way. Just be ready. They're sinners. They're lost. Remember our description? Lost, blind, naked, poor, uh, just harassed and hassled. Like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus would look on a city in the Gospels and his heart would break and he would have compassion for them and he would say, I'm so heartbroken because they're like sheep without a shepherd. Just saw people for who they were. He understood that to be true and that informed the way he would act towards them. Don't let disappointment deter you. Just expect some of it. Some of you have just been praying for that family member or you've been trying to invite them to church and you've been trying to have the conversations or, or that person at work or at the gym, whatever it might be, and you're like, man, it just seems like I get the door slammed in my face. Could I tell you be faithful? Just be faithful. Don't let that disappointment deter you. We throw our hands up and can give up at times. And, well, I've just tried too much. I just can't. But I'm so glad that these men didn't let disappointment deter them because a miracle was on the, on the other side of that disappointment. A miracle was so close by. The closed door doesn't stop them. Here's an important note too. I found this study in the book of Mark. If you look at a biblical commentary, the book of Mark, when you see the crowd, it doesn't necessarily have a positive connotation with it. What's interesting is we see here in the book of Mark that the religious leaders had really filled the house. I had a mentor once teach uh, this passage of scripture and he would always say, religion filled the house. How many, how many of you know that when we take a religious and critical and judgmental stance, we can actually keep people from Jesus? Isn't that interesting that religion had filled the house, the crowd had, had, had really moved its way in and moved others out? And here's the second thing I want you to see and challenge you with, church. Don't let your piety prevent you. Don't let your piety prevent you from carrying people. Look at the story. You remember the Good Samaritan. This is such a cool parable that Jesus tells. But he's making this point. You see the man, the, the, the man just beaten on the side of the road. It's a Jewish man just beaten. It says thieves had come and just mugged him on the side of the road, left him for dead. Stripped him of his belongings, stripped him of his clothing. We're seeing this just bloody, I'm sorry for the description, but just a bloody, uh, probably mostly naked man on the side of the road. And Jesus talks about these religious leaders that come by. And they see him and they're like, oh, I, I don't have time. I, I just, that's not really my thing. I don't, I don't do, I'm not willing to get my hands dirty. By the way, if they would have touched blood back in the day, these religious leaders, they would have been marked as unclean and had to do this ceremonial cleaning. It just was too inconvenient. It was gonna be too much work. And leader after leader, religious person after religious person just steps over and just is like, I don't got the time. A Samaritan comes by, technically an enemy. 
There was racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans were, were, were like half-breeds. They would call them dogs, they would call them. Because they were intermingled Jewish and Gentile. And the religious leaders are stepping over. But a Samaritan, who we would know as a good Samaritan, comes by. Here's what I want you to see, church. In that parable, he not only meets the needs and helps that man, bandages him up. What does he do next? <laughs> he loads him onto his donkey and he carries him. Carries him to safety. Carries him to a place where he knew he would be taken care of. He didn't just do triage and say, hey, good luck, man. I, I, we're, not, we're actually not supposed to be interacting. Like, this isn't my thing. I typically don't get my hands dirty. Don't really tell anybody, hey, hey, good luck. No, 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 no. He picks the bloodied, broken man up. Puts him onto his donkey. Carries him to safety, carries him to the destination. We're called to carry. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, we gotta carry him. We gotta carry him. Come on, over at Boyan, we gotta carry him. Lakeworth, you could do better than that. Look at your other neighbor now, come on. It's called carry thy neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Tell him we gotta carry him. Let's go. So don't let disappointment deter you. Don't let your piety prevent you. Third, if we wanna carry people to Jesus, we may have to take the high road. <laughs> These men got to a, a higher elevation, so to speak. They, they took the high road. Was it dangerous? Yeah. Was it risky? Yeah. Very, again, the point that these men have to talk to their paralyzed friend and I, dude, we're lifting you up on the roof. It was just crazy. Just not a great idea. But they realized we might have to take the high road and do whatever it takes to carry our people to Jesus, our friend to Jesus, this one that we love. We may have to go to crazy lengths. We may have to choose the more difficult and inconvenient way. You may have to take the high road of character, church, in your relationships. Maybe it means you, you, you don't uh, re repost and blast that person on social media. Maybe it means you show some restraint. Maybe it means the high road in that relationship that you take the high road of forgiveness and you're the one that initiates that conversation of forgiveness instead of waiting for your spouse or waiting for that other person. I'm telling you, if we're gonna carry people, we've gotta take the high road. I love that these men were not satisfied with the answer that they got. And, and here's what some of us may, this is wild too. What some of us may even be tempted to believe is that we were met with disappointment Originally, they're, they're, they show up to the door, they're met with disappointment. Some people would quit, wait, or they would quit right there and believe maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe this isn't what God has called us to do. Isn't that fascinating? They're met with a little bit of resistance and some of us will just give up on, on the first side of resistance. Just the disappointment, we're like, man, I'm so glad these guys pushed through because the miracle was on the other side of the disappointment. They didn't let their piety, their religious, and they could have, for religious reasons, they could have, man, we're just, this is not a good idea. It's not going to look good in front of people. And, you know, to be associated with someone who is broken or a lame person or a leper or someone who had an, an infer, excuse me, an infirmity or, or they, they would have been labeled kind of unclean to be with him. It would have affected their, or their, their reputation and their relationships possibly. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad they took the high road. And if we're going to carry people well, church, we may be called to take the high road. And you're like, wait, Josh, did you say inconvenient? It's going to be inconvenient. Did you say the I word? 
Do you mean it's gonna take some time, some maybe blood, sweat, and tears? Maybe it will inconvenience my schedule to carry people. Maybe it's not gonna be easy, or, or maybe it will cause me some cost me some sweat equity or cause me some grief or some pain along the way. It is what I'm saying. Happy Labor Day. Sorry, guys. This is okay. I am saying that because it's taking the high road. And here's what I want you to notice, too, in Mark's gospel. I love this about Mark. You see faith mentioned a handful of times. In Mark's gospel, faith is always connected to action. It is not this ethereal thing swirling around. Mark says, no, I see faith when I see action. The book of James, <laughs> he says, I could, I could show you my faith through what I do. Somehow we've forgotten that in the church, that, that somehow faith is this pious sky, you know, uh, idea way up in the sky, kind of pie in the sky idea. But Mark says, no, 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 faith is always connected to this action. And we see that if we're gonna carry people to Jesus, we need to take a higher road. The last thing I wanna share with you, this is the last point. I wanted to be a little timely on Labor Day weekend, right? I know you guys got plans and we wanna get out of here, but man, I wanted to challenge you with this. If we're gonna carry people to Jesus, we need some really good friends. That what, what jumped out at the story to me so clearly is we just need some good friends. It's, it's so cool, God lined this up that we would have our, our groups rally today, that we'd actually be pushing and promoting our groups to you today because I think it's so apropos for what these men experienced. This lame man, this paralyzed man had some really, really good friends. And you need friends that are gonna carry you in different seasons of life. I, I, as I was preparing this, I was just thankful and reminded to be more and more thankful for the men I have in my life that have carried me through seasons. That ministry at times, there's been moments of disappointment, grief, pain, heartache. But I've had some really good friends like this man had that when I was kind of lame and on my mat, they picked me up and they carried me back to Jesus. Church, can I challenge you with this? Would you keep the friends that carry you? I'm gonna say that again. Keep the friends that carry you. We, we are living in a time where we are canceling close relationships over nonsense. And it has to stop. The world's looking in on the church hoping to see something different. Are we gonna show them what's different? Are we gonna get over petty arguments are we gonna get over petty hurts and actually grow up a bit and move on to say, you know what? I will not cancel a friendship that has carried me. Church, keep the friends that carry you. And if you don't have those friends, Boynton, Lake Worth, even church at home, find those friends today. Church at home, maybe God's calling you to make community. Boy, and God, God is calling you to actually maybe start a group or be part of one. You've never been part of one. Lake Worth, same. You're like, I don't have friends that carry me. How many of you know, <laughs> this is funny, I was thinking about it. How many of you know that, that real friends help you move, right? Real, <laughs> in a very real sense of the words, uh, real friends carry your crap for you, right? They'll do it. That old armoire that's like a million pounds, you have no idea how that thing is so heavy. That's a real friend right there, I'm telling you. We've moved uh, three or four times since we've been down here in Florida, different homes, and it's, I'm telling you, 
I'm so grateful for the people that have shown up in that 13th hour and have carried my stuff for me. But I thought about that. Real friends will carry your junk too. (laughs) Real friends will carry you in seasons where you need to be carried. Please, church, keep the friends that carry you. Because the gospel grows in the context of community. Here's what's interesting. Hear hear this to be true. Uh, The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians, I planted, Apollos watered, but God has has been making it grow. The gospel grows in the context of community. You you need friends. You you need actually, the gospel to grow needs, needs a community to grow inside of. Because one may plant, another may water. God's making it grow. Let me put that in the context of our story. Maybe one of the guys came up with the idea and was like, dude, I've heard about this Jesus. I've experienced him personally. I'm gonna carry him. I'm gonna convince three of my other idiot friends to come too, because I, I can't do this alone. It's gonna be brutal. Maybe one of them came up with a plan. Maybe another was just like gassing up Jesus the whole time and talking about Jesus. And he, he didn't even really know Jesus yet, but he was like, man, I've heard of this Messiah. I've heard of this guy, this healer. Man, he's just encouraging the guy. Because maybe the guy after years and years and years, a lifetime of being paralyzed, was so discouraged, so lost, so naked, so, so helpless and harassed that he didn't have it in him to carry himself there. And one of the guys is just his encourager. He's the cheerleader of the group. Anyone have a good cheerleader in your friend group? They, no matter what happens, no matter if the junk hits the fan or not, they're just gassing you up. And they're like, man, God is gonna be faithful and get you through. And then maybe one of them was just the muscle. They're like, man, we just need you to carry some stuff. This big brute like comes out of the, you know, all right, I guess. Because some of us, serve. You're like, man, I don't, I don't have gifts of speaking and I don't have these eloquent things, but man, you're great with your hands. We need that in the body of Christ. You build stuff, you put stuff together. You got some muscle. I'm sure they, I, I'm sure they looked for a big guy to help them. I'm just, that's my theory, but I am sure they, they, a couple of these skinny guys that, you know, came and they're like, no, 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 we need some muscle. Cause one planted, one watered, but God shows up and does the miracle. We need the gospel to grow in the context of community. Amen. Yeah, you can cheer for that. I'm almost done here. Here's where this this turns to us a little bit too in the story. It's It's such an important part of the story. I didn't necessarily know how to fit it in the context of caring, but here's what I want you to hear. The man was forgiven first and then healed. Don't, don't breeze over that fact of the story. We're gonna bring people to Jesus and we're gonna wanna see their life just, man, just instantly fixed and the circumstances to change. But God will do a miracle on the inner life before he does it on the outer life. On the inside and then the outside. Jesus forgives the man of his sins. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus gave the man what he needed first, then addressed what he wanted. And aren't you glad you serve a savior who is a good shepherd, a good father, who gives you what you need first and then gives you what you wanted? Here's here's how I would flesh that out. Maybe you're like, Josh, what are you talking about? God wants to change your heart before he heals your marriage. The inner work. Because he could heal and fix the marriage, the outer, but an unchanged heart will eventually damage a marriage again. 
Jesus wants to change your heart before he gives you that promotion that you've wanted. Because he could heal and fix the promotion issue. He could just give it to you, but an unchanged heart could turn you arrogant and actually cause you to forget God. The inner work first. He could give you that relationship, right? He, he could just, he could give you that, right, and fix your relationship issues or, or save your a failing business, but an unchanged heart could just turn to greed and self-promotion. He could give you that relationship, but an unchanged heart with the baggage and all the stuff that you're carrying, unhealed and, and unforgiven, right, could actually cause more damage. He wants to deal with the inner life before the outer life. We actually see this in a story later in scripture where Jesus heals the 10 lepers. Do you remember this story? 10 people with leprosy. First of all, no one in society would have ever gone near a leper. It was highly contagious. These, these people in particular were, were actually caused to, forced to walk around declaring how unclean they were. Unclean, unclean, they would shout through the streets. I, f- I honestly feel like church, it's such a picture of our current world. They're just, they're shouting unclean, broken, lost, helpless, harassed. They're, they're just using different language for it. Right? Do you see that? Or am I the only crazy one? They're actually shouting that as well. Jesus confronts 10 of these leprous people, heals all of them. And it says this. One of them, when he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him and was a Samaritan. (laughs) These guys keep showing up. Would have been an enemy of Jesus, a social outcast, a religious outcast. The Samaritan comes. He's the one that's thankful. Listen to Jesus. Jesus asked him, weren't 10 cleansed? I changed the outer, I healed the outside of 10. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? (laughs) Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith, internal, has made you well. Your faith. There was something on the inside that was dealt with, and that's what led to the outer healing in that man. And I breezed by this last point too, but it cannot be ignored. I said I'd come back to it when Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, the man was healed. God honored their faith in that moment. And the man received the reward because church at the end of the day, and this is going to be hard to hear, it's not about us. It's about others. And here's my theory, that you'll be willing to carry your neighbor. You'll carry your neighbor to Jesus when you realize what Jesus carried for you. We sung about it this morning, but let's get the cross in view for just a moment and realize what was carried there. Not only a physical cross, but the weight of our sin. And when I realize what Jesus has carried for me, I will gladly begin to carry my neighbor. 
When I look at the cross and I look at the weight that was on his shoulders, so much so that the Father in heaven had to turn his back away and he could not look on Jesus because he who had no sin, he who knew no sin, became sin for us. And in that moment, God said, I can't. And he says, Father, why have you forsaken me? It's an incredibly dramatic uh, scene that we see on the cross because he, in that moment, carried the sin of the entire world. When I get that in view, I say, man, I'll carry my neighbor any day. I'll gladly carry my neighbor. It might inconvenience me, but I'll carry him. So funny, recently, <laughs> and I'll pick on her because she's not in here yet, but she'll probably come to the 11, uh, 11 o'clock service, but my wife, um, we were here at church. I was wrapping up after a long day, and, and we were actually going to ride home together, and uh, I texted her. I was so excited. I was like, hey, babe, maybe we'll, we'll grab breakfast or brunch or later, and we'll, you know, we can just ride home together. We can pick up my car later at the church. And she said, sorry, babe, I can't. Uh, there's no room in our car. And I'm like, well, I'm doing the math. We have a minivan, right? I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not embarrassed of the minivan, by the way, okay? I love the minivan. I call it an adventure van, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. I'm secure enough to say it. The minivan is packed out, though. <laughs> I'm like, there's no room? Like, I'm gonna have to drive somewhere and meet you? My wife, so we, we live on a corner, uh, corner lot, and right next to us, there's this really, really sweet Haitian family um, that we've just befriended. Uh, they have a grandmother, kind of the matriarch of the family. Uh, she does not speak a word of English, but my wife somehow through charades and all sorts of communication has struck up a beautiful relationship with her. It's beautiful. They hug each other. They pray for one another. The grandma will walk the block singing about Yesu or, or in, in their language, Jesus. She's like, she's in love with Jesus. She walks the block singing hymns in the morning. I kid you not. But she was always concerned that the grandkids didn't have a place to go to church. And there's a lot of them in there, man. They, they've got cousins and family from out of the country living with them. And it's a packed house. And Rhea was like, I'm, ju I'm just gonna start bringing them. I'm just gonna do it. And packs the van out. And, and, I, and I found myself at first like, oh man, that kind of inconvenienced and frustrated. Like, oh, there's no room for me in my own van. And, and then Jesus convicted me. She's, she's literally willing to carry our neighbors to Jesus. She doesn't care. Sorry, babe, you can, you can drive your, yourself home. I, I gotta carry people to Jesus. And I'm so thankful for a wife who does that. And my last point today as I wrap up is this, you're gonna carry your neighbor when you realize that someone helped you get to Jesus. I was thinking about that as I was preparing. I'm like, man, I would say nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 of us in this room, someone got you here. Maybe it was a good parent who was just sowing into you over the years and years. Maybe it was a friend that invited you from work. Maybe it was another person at the gym who was just like, man, you should come to my church or they met you at work or whatever it might be. The majority of us in the room and over at Boyton at church at home, we're here because someone carried us here. And I'll be willing to carry others when I realize that truth. So what are some just easy action steps for you guys? I wanted to make this really, really easy today. Just, just practical. Church at home, how do you carry people? You're like, I'm digital. Like, subscribe, share. You have no idea how many stories have come in because things have been shared online. And they're like, man, now my life's being transformed. I'm, I'm plugging in to church at home. Simple. Like, subscribe, share. You can carry some people to church. Invite them. Host a watch party at your house, whatever it might be. 
Boynton, man, we're excited. Our Boynton campus, if you love your campus over there, give them a shout. I know we can't hear you shouting right now, but lift up a shout. Lake Worth in the room too. Just love on Boynton for a minute. Love on that church. We're, we're excited, church. I don't know if you know this. We're excited because we're part of a growing church. I love that we have growth problems here, right? Boy, and you're growing over there, but maybe you look to your left or to your right, there's an empty seat. Start carrying some people to church. Just starting to invite them. You're like, man, I don't have all the right answers. And, and like last week we heard, man, you can share your story, absolutely. You can be Jesus to people and represent them, but maybe you need to start carrying people to Jesus. Get them plugged into your small group. Bring them to church. Lake Worth in the room. I know you guys have been challenged this morning. We're so excited. A 1245 service. How blessed are we to, to run out of room that we need another service? It's crazy what God is doing here. Maybe it's on you to move services. You're like, dude, that's inconvenient. That's, but you're, you're creating a seat. You're creating a spot for someone to be carried, someone to be invited. Or maybe you can carry some people to the 1245. Just simple, practical. This is not rocket science. What does it look like at work to represent Jesus and carry some people to him? You see that they're sick and they're lame and they're, they're lost and they're helpless and they're naked and they're harassed. Let's not point the finger. Let's walk them and carry them to Jesus. Amen. Let me pray for us today. Church, would you bow your heads, close your eyes and I'll close. Father, we love you. Let us not overcomplicate this today. Over at Boynton and church at home, here in the room at Lake Worth, let us not complicate it, Lord. But let's, as a community, rally around people. Not only talk about how much we love them, but put faith into action and show them by picking them up on their mat with all their issues and all the struggles and all the stuff that we, we could critique and we could criticize, but we're not going to because we're gonna be like you, the good shepherd. We're gonna put those people up on our shoulders and carry them back to you to the safety of the fold, to the safety of the church. And would we be a church that represents just that, a safe haven, a harbor of healing, forgiveness, acceptance, truth, love. Father, if we were that, we would be a city set on a hill. We would stop cursing the darkness and we would turn on the light. And I believe our world would change because of it. Empower us by your spirit to do that And today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Love you, church. Thank you, guys.